Doing it live on a Wednesday, Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter. Wednesday because we had Valentine's Day, and Johnny and I are uh, both in committed relationships uh, that need <laughs> to be rewarded, and and then also because Ohio State played at nine o'clock against Michigan right. State. So th- this was twofold, was it not, my friend? I mean, we we're looking out for ourselves, but also, uh, you know, we're going to want to talk about the Michigan State thing a little bit if we're going to do this, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it was the opportunity for something really cool, and you want to you want to give the basketball team a chance, right? Like you don't want to <laughs> just assume they're going to be awful. And and hard to watch. I mean, yeah, it's probably you know, a pretty good so, assumption at this point, but it is. You know, so let's let's dig in on this a little bit. So since we last did a podcast, you had the um, you had the Maryland game and you had the Michigan State game, and the Maryland game is played with heavy hearts, obviously, uh, with with Jaquan Lyle and and you know his, his sister and and what was going on there, and and this, he didn't play, and and yet you had a tremendous effort, and yeah. um, and you saw. Uh, Maryland had every reason to, to run that game out of the out of the building, run Ohio State out of the building, and Jay Sean Tate and Mark Loving, frankly, paid their asses off. I mean, they did. They they played the way you expect senior leaders to play, or old, you know, veteran players to play. And then it, you get Michigan State, and the same thing happens. I mean, with Alvin Ellis, it's I think five threes consecutively, and there it looks like you're going to get buried early. And there's just some fight to them. And and the guy who jumps out to me is loving and and Mark Loving takes a lot of slings and arrows. Uh he suffers a lot of slings and arrows at, at by this fan base and some of it's probably deserved. Um and I've said on this on this show and I know you have as well that um he, he's to me he was like one of those guys who's just floating through the program. Yeah. Um you know he's going to play here for 4 years and not really, really make much of an impact, be gone and you'd never see him again and he wouldn't be recognized in Columbus. Um but I'll give Mark Loving a little bit of credit. He's a, he is in the in the final stretch of his collegiate career and on a couple of games against big time opponents on the road, he played with a ton of heart and a ton of give a damn. And that's probably been the biggest critique of him, has it not? That his give oh, a damn yeah, is in easily. question, right? Because it seems like yeah. he just floats around. Um, but that wasn't the case the last couple of games. And it's been this way for a few games now. And um, in a season where there isn't a whole lot to be excited or even satisfied with, I was at least somewhat pleased to see him play the way he played uh, on a big stage against big-time teams you know, back-to-back. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple plays I think you can point to where you said, this guy needs to give a little more effort. He needs to get back on defense. <laughs> well, that's he, always going to be there with Mark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not going to eliminate that. But the, he did, I mean, especially against Maryland. I mean, he was yeah. hitting shots when he had to. I think there was a stretch of maybe like 10 minutes where he basically did nothing, which probably would have maybe helped if he had been a little more present. But the dude was like 8 for 14 or something, right. uh, you know, from, from the field. Like, I just... That was the Mark Loving that I think a lot of people would have wanted to see for the past several years. And you don't have to score more than 20 points every game, but just being in the spot to take the shot that, you know, has an impact on the game is yeah. what you want to see. And and he did that. And I don't really think you can ask a whole lot more out of Mark Loving. So as far as his performance goes, I have no problems with it whatsoever in the past couple of games. I think he did a great job. Uh, the real culprit here, I think, if you were looking for wins against Maryland and Michigan State, was the bench. Uh, you've got you got nothing. You've got literally nothing uh, against Maryland, and then against Michigan State. I mean, you're just kind of relying on Lyle there, but just not not a great performance from the from the backups, or really anybody against Michigan State. Well, let's, let's take it a step further then, because I saw something in the game last night that uh, maybe 
goes to the bigger root of the problems and 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 maybe the malaise that the the program is stuck in right now. And it's been a few years, so this isn't anything new. I watched Michigan State play or beginning of like a week ago. They get ran by Michigan, right? Like on February, I don't know. I remember them getting run by Michigan in the last week and a half, less 10 days, something like that. And uh, I've seen them play a couple of times here and there, and they just look just dispirited, just nothing to them. And, you know, they have talent, but it just didn't click. Yeah. And what I, what I saw from Michigan State was an improved team that's getting better in, in, the, in the game on, on Tuesday night. And I see a Michigan State team that is that looks to me like it's going to have a little bit of momentum through the end of February. I see a Michigan State team that's going to have a little bit of momentum in March. I see a Michigan State team that I wouldn't be shocked if they won the Big Ten tournament. I wouldn't be shocked if they were, ended up being a uh, somewhere between a four and a six seed in the NCAA tournament and scared a team in a round or two. And what happened with Michigan State is what has not happened at Ohio State, and right. that is an improved team as the year goes along uh michigan state's better now than they were a month ago i don't know if ohio state's any better now than they were a month ago um they seem the same to me i don't see uh improvement i i I see the same team i don't see young guys getting better i don't see freshmen maturing and materializing into into, um reliable players i don't want to pick on the freshmen because it's it's every it's every kid on the roster i just do not see a team that to me is getting it has gotten better certainly not markedly better so that's an enormous cause for concern if if you're an Ohio State fan if you're Gene Smith if you're Thad Mata because your team's not getting better and your program's not getting better and you're just stuck on this treadmill and you're not going anywhere and and my my I love Thad as a human being and I at you know, watching this has been really painful the last couple of years. I haven't been, you know, there day to day to to talk to him and, you know, know the team like that, like I did before that. Um, so I'm watching from afar in many cases, but it's painful to watch the program in this spot that it's in. And, and this year was supposed to be the year where they built off of, I mean, every, you know, everybody coming back, this was supposed to be the year with a down big 10. This is a garbage Big Ten this year. I mean, you saw the, the tournament's predict proje- projections on their 16, top 16, and there's no Big Ten teams in there. I mean, this is not a Big Ten that, that is gangbusters. It's not. And, and they're going to be a team that's going to miss the tournament. They're going to have to win their last four to have any shot. I mean, they got to be 9-9, nine and nine, and I don't think they're, they're certainly not. They haven't done that all year, so for us to think they're going to now would be silly. Um, so they're going to miss the tournament for the second year in a row and you just have a program that's just stuck. And the, it was kind of like a microcosm of it on the game on Tuesday, where there's a Michigan state program where the players are getting better and the team's getting better. And Ohio state one right now that just isn't. Yeah. I mean, you see that every year out of Tom Izzo, right? Like he might start the yeah. season with a mediocre team and then he figures out what his team is good at. And then they just do that for the rest of the season. And they just, they get better and better and better as the year goes on. I think Michigan state, I agree with you. I think they're going to be a dangerous team, especially in the big 10 tournament. And that'll be a fun team to watch. That'll be a fun team to follow for fans of Michigan State. The malaise, I mean, that, that word is kind of what you see when you watch the, the team play any game, really, is that mm-hmm. they'll have stretches where you're like, yeah, this is okay. They're hitting stuff. They're getting excited. And then they kind of slow back down. And then they don't always hustle to the ball. And they don't always get back on defense. And guys just kind of get you know turned around. It, it just feels so inconsistent. And, yeah. you know, it, 
it's the same thing with football. You know, in football, you can start off with a, a team that's not that great in September, and then by November, you got to be shutting people down. You got to be like amazingly good at, at get better the other team, and you you just need to see that progression from point A to point B. There has been no progression this year, and it doesn't seem like there's going to be a progression in the last few games. So you know, I I don't know what the solution is. I think we've talked about that a lot. Uh, yeah. One of the other things is is recruiting. I mean, you know. The talent, I mean, that's something that we can talk about, like where it's going and how much of it there is in the state of Ohio and, and elsewhere in the Big Ten. But um, right now it just seems very, you know, it seems like a slow kind of decline. And then that matches what we've seen the past three, four years. Yeah, I mean, we've touched on this before, and I think it's pretty clear what what Thad did in recruiting. He landed, I mean, really landing, you could argue that landing Connolly and Odin was um, was a curse because what it did yeah. is it, it allowed him, and the, it, it, follow me on this, no, no. It, it, it allowed the program to believe that it could recruit those guys on a regular basis, right, right. and they yeah. were given false hope again with the Selinger class, where a lot of those kids, most of those kids, are that all Ohio red AAU team. Most of those kids were on that. Cybert was on that team, um, and obviously Jared and Aaron Kraft and all those guys. So, um, you know, uh, and then they got Deshaun. So, I mean, that was like, and they were getting the Gatorade players here in the state of Ohio and William Buford and Diebler. I mean, those are all Ohio kids. Well, still, but what, though, I mean, but what Connolly and Odin, though, did. Mark Levin was basketball. I mean, Amir was. was McDonald's All American. Like, it's not like they're getting Yeah, but they missed on, uh, they, they, they missed that class is the one where if, if you want to, you know, circle the calendar and say, this is where it all went to hell, it's yeah. the Amir William Shannon Scott class. That's where right. it all went to hell because right. they misidentified those kids and they yes. didn't get better. None of those kids got better. And they misidentified them. And, um, you know, Amir was a McDonald's All-American, but he was 6'11". If you watched Amir Williams play one time, you could tell he didn't have a whole lot of give a damn. He just doesn't. Yeah. It's not, it's, sometimes you can't, you can't teach give a damn. Like, either, either you want to be a basketball player or you don't. And I don't think Amir Williams wanted to be. I think yeah. he was just tall. You know? Like, sometimes <laughs> you're just tall. He was really tall against a bunch of short kids, so he played. Yeah. I always felt that way. Um, I'm going to blank on the kid's name. There was a Mike Adams, the offensive tackle out of Dublin Coffin, who played mm-hmm. for you know at Ohio State for several years in, with the Steelers. I don't know if Mike Adams loved football. He was just a big kid, so he played football. But I don't know if he loved it. I don't know if his passion was that. And the same thing with Amir. But the but the Connolly Odin thing made Thad and his program think that it could recruit against Kentucky and Kansas and Duke and Carolina. And the reality is, it can't. Yeah, and they can't. And when good assistant coaches left, they weren't hired with equals. And, and now you have a program that, that is not getting the good kids in the state of Ohio and is not getting even in a, a foot in the door on the best players in the country. Um, so what are you? What's left? And I know they're trying to rebuild it. You know, the Wesson boys, uh, the Goodwin kid at, at Upper Arlington, they're trying to go back. I think he's learned from his mistakes and he's trying to build it through Ohio again and just try to lock down the best kids in Ohio so you don't have a situation um, where these kids are floating around the country, lighting it up. Luke Kennard should be a Buckeye. Yeah. I mean, that's, yes. he should be. You know, I don't blame him for going to Duke, but he should be a Buckeye. If the program is what Thad Bada believes it is, he should be an Ohio State Buckeye. So in a way, I mean, you never take back Connolly and Odin, but I'm just saying that that gave them the false hope that they could recruit with the best. And the reality is it's been a long time since they have. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. I mean, there, there are going to be opportunities coming up here pretty soon. You've got, you know, some Ohio kids are going to get national attention. And, you know, like I said, I don't I don't think this is Thad's last hurrah. I think he's going to get another year. But you you better lock some kids down, like, 
now. Like, that's it. I mean, you, you've got basically one more shot at it uh, to prove that maybe you can bring in a class yeah. like that. And otherwise, people are going to be calling for your head. Because the, the biggest problem is, is that I think for Ohio State basketball, not so much Ohio State football, because recruiting is insane for Ohio State football. Everybody knows every kid and whatever. But for Ohio State basketball, I don't think really people pay that much attention to recruiting until you start to lose. And then people start to get yeah. really upset and get you know mad. But if you're bringing in you know even marginal guys, but you're still winning with them, you're still going to the NCAA tournament, you're still getting to the Sweet 16, yeah. people are going to get off your back about it. They're going to say, all right, you know how to coach. It's fine. You don't need to bring in all these amazing kids. But when you start to lose, you, you just said it. I mean, that class spoiled people into thinking that that's your, your alleyway. That's your avenue to win. And Ohio State's not that program. And no. they probably are never going to be that program. No. Um, I mean, never say never, program. but you've got to have a like, you know, decades-long period of sustained success to get to that point. And Ohio State yeah. is not even close to that. No. And the, the, the other sad thing, we, you know, we taped uh, a week ago Tuesday in uh, the Rutgers game. There were about 6,000 people there. I mean, they can yeah. list it all they want at 10,000. They said 11,000, which was whatever. Like- there, was, there were 6,000, if that. I mean, that was the worst. That is such an embarrassment uh, to the program and to the university. Uh, part of it's Rutgers because it's nonsense that they're in this league. But the other part of it is that nobody cared. And I think the Blue Jackets played that night as well, if I remember. And uh-huh. They had a big crowd, and nobody came to see Rutgers. And that's going to ha- that's going to that'd be the lowest attended Big Ten game at Thad Modest's tenure. And that stings. That stings the program. That stings him. And he's digging himself a hole here. And you know, you're five and nine, as I mentioned. I mentioned you got to get to at least nine and nine to have a shot. The remaining are Nebraska Saturday. That should be a win. That should be a win. Wisconsin the next Thursday. Yeah. I can't see a scenario that they knock off Wisconsin at home. No. I, I just don't. No. And then you're at Penn State, which that's dicey. And then it's Indiana on senior day. Uh, and Indiana will be a desperate team like you are. Um, so it's it's not very likely. And again, we're, we're for them to win four in a row, we're asking them to do something they've proven year, time and time again all year they can't do. So you're, you're headed for another NIT bid. And the hole's getting deeper, my friend. And it, it's just kind of all kind of crystallizing right now and here in the last month of the season. Yeah, I think there was one NIT experience that Ohio State had that I actually enjoyed on the face of it. And that's when they shouldn't have gotten the NIT, when they were denied an NCAA bid and they just ran right through the NIT tournament. And, you know, like the Harlem Globetrotters was hilarious. And that was funny because at the end of it, they could complain and say like, ah, this is what happens when you do this. And uh, but when you're kind of just given it as a sympathy prize, it's not something anybody really wants to be a part of. So no. And there are 68 teams. That get yeah. into the NCAA tournament. Sixty-eight. Right. Right. A school like Ohio State should get in every year. Yeah. With the facilities, the salary that Thad Mod has paid, the ability of him to coach, uh, the the talent within the state, it's not it is not something that is it is not a ridiculous expectation to say that making the tournament's the minimum. Yeah, and he's I mean, he's pretty well like you mentioned his salary. I mean, he's pretty well compensated. I think he's like what, seventh on the like yeah, top yeah, ten. Easily. Definitely top ten. Definitely top ten highest paid coach in the country. And yeah, you know, you you can't do back. You can't go back to back NIT. You no. can't. So I love him, but it, there's going to be big pressure on him to change his staff at the very least um, at the end of this season. One guy who um, who really has is is just a real power broker and hasn't really won really big in a while. Though he has the one championship, and so he kind of can live with that. It's kind of the Bob Stoops sort of situation 
Bill Self's a little bit like this as well, although he wins a little bit more, is Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo walks on water at Michigan State. On more than one occasion, I have been uh, in his presence in East Lansing at uh, non-basketball games, both at football games. And when he walks down on the field at, an, at a Michigan State football game, it is as if Jesus Christ walked to the field. I mean, that, <laughs> that's the way these people view Tom Izzo. Universally beloved. Yeah. So a really funny thing. I like Izzo. I like him in press conferences. I like his honesty. He answers anything. I think he's funny. He's candid. Um, so Dan Dockich's kid plays at Michigan. Right. Michigan beat Michigan State, as I mentioned. Dockich tweets that the Michigan State students are a bunch of whiners and all this stuff. Izzo doesn't get – apparently all these chants were happening last night at the game to Dockich. So Dockich takes issue with it. Izzo takes issue with it until he gets to the locker room and his players tell him the reason that the chants are happening that because of Dockich's tweets. Right. So Izzo lights him up. I mean, he lights up Dockich, demands an apology, um, I'm guessing he even acknowledged that he would have behaved differently towards Dockich had he known that he said this. Dan Dockich is a lightning rod in college basketball as a color guy. I like him. There are plenty of people who don't. I'm one of the ones that do. I, I think he does a pretty good job, and um, I, li- I like his candor. I could see why you wouldn't if you uh, were a diehard of, of a fan. I think it's crazy that, that he has any – I think it's a little tough that you're – criticizing michigan state when your kid plays at michigan i mean i think yeah, that's that's, that's a that's a weird situation that's a really weird situation the other thing about him is he hosts a radio show in indianapolis that gets that's a pretty that's a really popular show in indianapolis and he did not do his show today in indy he called mm-hmm. off um so this hit pretty close <laughs> to home to him i guess as espn is not happy about this yeah. um what what first of all what are your impressions of Dockich as, okay. as a color guy and then uh the the iso takedown of Dockich. So, okay, so first of all, let's let's address the first one first. And I'll say, you know, all right, let's say you're a casual fan. You don't really give a crap about Michigan State or Ohio State, and you just have it on the background. You're probably not going to enjoy uh, a game against two very mediocre Big Ten basketball teams just on the face of it. So if Dan Dockage wants to come out and stir some crap and, you know, go on rants and stuff like that, I don't really have a problem with it because, first of all, I think he's pretty good at his job as a color guy. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, while I do think it's, you know, a little inappropriate given, you know, his, his son's status, you know, in the Big Ten and playing for an opposing team, uh, I think that causes things to be a little dicey. I don't really, I, I mean, it's interesting. It, it's fun to listen to. Uh, I like Tom Izzo a lot. I like the fact that he got into it and that he didn't, you know, mince words and he, you know, kind of went after him a little bit. That's fine for me. At this point in the year, this isn't, I mean... This isn't one of those things, I think, where it seems like a guy is just doing it to be self-aggrandizing and, and just messing with people. I think he's doing it because that's just who Dan Dockage is. Like, he's not trying to, to stir crap, you know, Absolutely. 15 win teams. I don't think he gives a crap. Um, but I can also understand where somebody's like, I'm not really here for the color guy. If you are a fan of those teams, if you're an Ohio State guy, if you're a Michigan State guy, I don't really think you want to have Dan Dockage make the whole thing about himself. and. I don't know that he necessarily did that, but I think a lot of people have that perception. I can I can kind of see that. I think there is definitely a line to which you have to be very careful about if you're going to engage in that kind of stuff. Um, I know I've been critical of Kirk Herbstreit in the past for kind of inserting himself into the narrative where I really don't think he needed to be at all. And so I, I do think it's a very fine line to walk. I think Dan Dockage decides to continue this afterwards. I would be pretty PO'd. But for a one-off thing, and if you want to have an opinion, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
Yeah, it's an interesting spot we're in in a in a media in the media world because especially in Dockich's case, he has a radio show. Yeah. And 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 when you have a radio show, the expectation is for you to have it's the old Jim Rome, have a take, don't suck. And um and and so oftentimes, and I've had plenty of program directors that I've worked through through the years who demand that you're passionate or not demand the more accurate phrase is ask you to be passionate on every topic. And 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 Dockich, if he's doing a radio show in Indianapolis and then he's got to transition over to being a color guy at night, I could see how the lines would be blurred. How yeah. how you feel like you give all these opinions all day and then now I'm now I've just carried that over to the to the to at night. I find him entertaining. Um I don't know if this will be a popular opinion among Buckeye fans who listen to this, but I like him and I think he's dialed in. Um, in ter- he clearly knows the game, and I think he's pretty dialed in. I think he's got a nice tenor to his voice. I think the whole thing works pretty good. Um, but I also like Izzo lighting him up. I mean, I think this is good oh, for yeah. college basketball. I think this all of this works. This is a fun year. There's a lot of really exciting teams. Um, we'll get to the Big Ten issues at large and momentarily. But uh, to me, this adds some spice, and I, I really don't have a single problem with with Dockage doing what he did or Izzo doing what he did. I do think it'll make for an icy relationship going forward unless and my guess is that's why Dockage wasn't on the air today was to mend mend some of the wounds here with Izzo and, and make sure that, that that gets right because the last I if you know there's no way you, you can't if you're gonna call Big Ten basketball games for a living and that's you know probably half of his living is is what ESPN pays him. My guess is he's freelance for ESPN and he gets paid to do the radio show. But that freelance money's a lot of money. And if you're gonna if you're gonna freelance in the Big Ten, then you can't be at war with Tom Izzo. No, no, not not with Izzo being basically the dean of basketball in the Big Ten. I mean, and, and I and I love Tom Izzo. I mean, I I one hundred thousand percent him. You know, support him doing whatever he wants in terms of like calling people out or making a big deal out of something that he thinks is wrong. Because he, I mean, as as much as Dan Dockage can be entertaining and, and can say things that I think makes a game more interesting. Uh, Tom Izzo's presence alone just makes college basketball in general more interesting and more entertaining. And I, I think if you're asking about who brings more value, uh, at least entertainment value to the sport in general, I mean, I don't think it's even close. I think Tom Izzo oh, is... Right. <laughs> No, no but that's my yeah. point. His yeah. his opinion matters more. And and if you know Tom Izzo feels that something was wrong, just like you gotta listen to that. You gotta you gotta have respect for that because uh he really has you know earned the carte blanche I think a lot of people will give him when it comes to this kind of stuff. Because he's he's Tom Izzo and he's he the most successful coach in the Big Ten. He's one of the greatest coaches in college basketball history. Uh, and he's just a hilarious dude, so it's it's really hard to argue against that guy. Yeah, I I nothing negative with Tom Izzo from where I'm concerned. Um, th- this gets us to the next topic. Um, you saw mentioned it earlier. Um, the committee puts out their 16, which I think is great. I think anything that creates conversation is good. So they put out their 16 seeds and they had them seeded out. And there's no Big Ten teams um, in the top 16. So I'm looking at the Big Ten and I'm. I've watched the Ohio State games this year and I'm watched the league and there's nobody that can win a championship in this league. There's not. Um, the best team is probably Wisconsin, I guess. Uh, yeah. Maryland's okay. Um, and then it's, it, I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now as we're doing this. It's Wisconsin, it's Maryland, Purdue, Northwestern, Michigan State, Minnesota, Michigan. That's probably the and the cutoff line right now, Michigan would be the last team in the tournament at six and six right now and sixteen and nine overall. None of those teams are going to scare anybody 
once you get to the elite eight level if they, i don't i wouldn't expect any of those teams to get to the elite eight level oh, I, um, I mean wisconsin maybe but beyond that yeah i don't even know i mean in the right just because of the way they play i'll give you that because of the way they right. play they're they, really set up for tournament laden. yeah and they can shoot you know so they have some some things um the, the the names that i didn't mention are indiana and ohio state now ohio state for the last 15 years that Thad's been there is usually at the top of that conversation. Um, we've chronicled those problems many, many times. And for much of the show today, Indiana at five and eight, and I know they've in, had injuries. Um, but if you look at Tom Crean's been there nine years mm-hmm. and in nine years, he has created a program that I think once got to the elite eight, maybe he, his best year was the Oladipo Cody Zeller, uh, I think Yogi was a freshman on that team. That was his best team, was yeah. that team. And they got bounced, I think, in the first weekend. Um, but they were, I think they were number one seed. He won the Big Ten last year for whatever that's worth. Um, but he really hasn't done a whole lot of winning. And Indiana is not an elite program anymore. It's been a very, very, very long time. Um, they weren't elite at the end of Bob Knight. They weren't elite after Bob Knight. They haven't been elite under Crean. It's been 30 years since Indiana has been elite. Um, the wait for Indiana to be elite has been going on for three decades. I mean, it's that long. Um, at the end of the 80s, they had a couple of early 90s, Calvert Cheney, Indiana, but it's been a long time, 25 they, years I at mean, least, since, since they've been – they've, they've not been on the Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, Carolina thing in a long time. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at Crean's record in Indiana right now. I mean, you've got three sweet 16 appearances, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> so he's never been to Elite Eight. Yeah, he's. I mean, I, well, he made the I, final four with Marquette. Yeah, how do you keep but, that guy at Indiana? I mean, what the hell is the expectation at Indiana? And this this speaks to the bigger problem of the Big Ten and yeah. where we are right now. And it right. got me thinking, and it reminded me very much of the late two thousands in football, when the Big Ten would get crushed in these bowl games when they when they played these teams. There was nobody. Ohio State was this kind of sort national championship contender those Terrell Pryor years, but I don't think any of us really thought they were. They had a couple of years where they ranked number one and they made some noise, but um, but but they weren't on the level of the elite, uh, but not as far off as this is. I mean, they were knocking on the door. Things could happen. They could win a national title, but they weren't like this. But but not take Ohio State out of it at that time. There was nobody in the in the league at that point that scared you, and and the reason for that was coaching. There there just wasn't an influx of of really good coaching in the Big Ten. Michigan was so far down. Penn State was going through the Paterno mess, the Sandusky disaster. Um, it was before D'Antonio had it humming at Michigan State. Um, there were years in there where Wisconsin would win the league. Um, those first couple of years, even after that, when um, when Wisconsin won the Big Ten championship game, one year they beat Nebraska. It was, just, it was just nothing worth watching in the league from a football standpoint. And then Ohio State hired Urban Meyer. And when you hire Urban Meyer, not only does it change your program, uh, and make you an immediate national championship contender every single year, but it forces the rest of the league to lift itself up, and it forces you to compete. It forces Michigan to go get Harbaugh. It forces Penn State to pay James Franklin a lot of money to come there. It forces the your hand. I mean, Lovey Smith is coaching Illinois. I mean, <laughs> say what you want. P.J. Fleck is coaching Minnesota. Many people thought he would have better a better job than that, but Minnesota paid him. Um, yeah. Lovey Smith's getting paid at Illinois. I don't know if it's going to turn into anything, but Lovey Smith's coached in a Super Bowl. Um, that's a far cry from who was coaching Illinois 10 years ago, probably Tim Beckman um, or Ron Zook. Um, so, so the point is, is I 
I'm wondering if right now Big Ten basketball is in the same spot because Ohio State is in this on this treadmill, as we've explained. Indiana is going nowhere with Crean and has never gone anywhere with Crean. Michigan is kind of in that you feel like they've already had their peak when when Beeline got Trey Burke and Karis LeVert, guys that were skipped over by Ohio State and just were stars at Michigan and led them to a championship game. Um, I mean, Minnesota is what Minnesota is, but Michigan State is kind of a whole, they're an okay team right now. They're the, they're clearly the cream of the crop from a league standpoint, although Wisconsin would, would make an argument for that. Um, but the fact that Northwestern's the best story this year in the league kind of tells you all you need to know a little bit. And yeah. I'm wondering if somebody is going to have to make a big hire. Like but if Indiana fires Tom Crean and they go out and they get, and this is just throwing you know junk at the wall, if Billy Donovan doesn't want to deal with Russell Westbrook anymore and they hire Billy Donovan at Indiana, does that change the way this league, is, is something like that needed for this league to get back to where it believes it should be? But see, that's that's kind of what I was going to say because I don't think it does. I mean, I, look, if you have a situation like that in football, there are guys that you know you can hire that will be an immediate national impact. You hire Urban Meyer, you hire you know maybe four or five other guys that you know, on a pretty short list, but you hire four or five of these other guys, Harbaugh, whoever, you can immediately turn around the fortunes of your program and make them a nationally relevant team. I don't know right. that there is a person like that who you can get that exists like that in college basketball. I mean, Billy Donovan, you know, is a big name. He's won championships, all that stuff. But I don't know that he's a guy who is going to turn your team's fortunes around in a season or two. I don't. I don't know that that person exists. Uh, in part because of the way college basketball is kind of structured, but also because a lot of these coaches. I mean, you talk about Shusevsky and, and Self and some of these other guys. They've been at those places for decades, and and they right. had to establish themselves over decades. And I don't I don't think it's something that you can just get a mercenary coach. I think it has to be a lot more organic than that. So for basketball in the Big Ten, I think the the problems are a lot more structural in nature, and and they're not something that can be fixed easily. I think it will require just a lot more time and energy and and passion in trying to make those teams really really good and, and nationally relevant it's, it's not something where you can just hire a dude i don't think yeah i mean calipari is the best example of hiring a dude um yeah. where you know kentucky's a disaster and, and they hire him and it changes in a second because he recruits but, but how many out. you know how many of those guys are out there you know like i just no no you're right donovan's probably the best example i mean he's the best i could think of of a guy who i think would immediately uh be able to go get five-star guys to a big 10 school Right. Um, he's, right. he's the name that comes to my mind. It's, it, it's interesting. I'm not trying to start anything, but like him and urban are good buddies. Oh I mean, yeah. They got along really well at Florida, like really well. Which so, is funny to me because if you wanted like the whole Gator nation, can yeah. you imagine like how bad Gator nation would hate Ohio state? Because <laughs> I mean, they loved Billy. If, if Billy Donovan somehow ended up at Ohio state, like in a year or two, I mean that, and Ohio state has the cash to pay Billy. Uh, he's making a bunch six million or something to, with Oklahoma City, but I mean, I don't know if you want to coach Russell Westbrook shooting forty-two times a game for the rest of your life. But um, <laughs> I do think he—he—I think his passion for college basketball is real, and I think he will get back into it. My yeah. inclination would be that he would—he would go to, you know, if Calipari ever leaves Kentucky, he has ties there. Um, but I don't know. Anyway, the, the reason I threw that out there—he's the best example of what was what you said, which is—is is there a guy out there who can flip a switch and change everything? Um, and, and Indiana is the program that has that kind of history way back, um, that you could, that 
maybe a guy like that could do something, but there's not many of them in this league. Um, and I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't think that this is the other thing is, is the, the schools in this league, this is not a league as much as we talk about the balance of the big 10. This is not a league that's that it's, that has ever been great at basketball. I mean, the Indy, the eighties with Indiana winning the championships and Michigan was, that was a great decade. The seventies with Indiana was great, but buddy, we're, it's been a long time since, yeah. since the big 10 has had consistent national championship contenders. Michigan state's the best example. They won it once. They've gotten to a bunch of final fours, um, played for another championship, but there just hasn't been, I mean, we all thought Ohio state was headed on that track. Um, with the recruitment of Jared Sullinger, which backed up the, the Conley Odin class, uh, the Sullinger Thomas Buford run of recruiting, you believed that if there was a Big Ten superpower in basketball, a sleeping giant, if you will, it was Ohio State. And Thad has not been able to sustain it. So I don't I agree with your point that there because even if a school did hire somebody like Donovan, there aren't a lot of those guys. So while Ohio State can get Urban and Michigan can get Harbaugh. There aren't a lot of scenarios like that where there's coaches out there that are elite that are dying to come here. I do think that they can that this league needs to throw some more money at basketball and make it more of a priority um, and and upgrade. I mean, Ohio State does a nice job with their facilities, but everybody needs to. Same thing that they did in football. It has to be an arms race. Um, but I don't think there will be the sense of urgency because there just isn't the history like there is with football. Yeah, agree. All right, buddy. So I think we've solved the problems of the world today. Do we have some <laughs> ask us anything? We do. We do have some ask us anything. Uh, you guys can ask us anything by sending us an email to dubcast at 11warriors.com or uh, hit us up on Twitter at 11dubcast. And we've got some, uh, we got some pretty, I, I'd say some pretty interesting questions this week. Um, so this is, we'll start with a, an Alvin question. I, I enjoy okay. Alvin questions always. Uh, so if you Alvin. could have been a D1 student athlete in any sport in college, which sport would you have chosen? I would have been I would have been the quarterback of the football team. Okay. By a hundred miles. Yeah. Because I've seen how the type of lives that quarterbacks on the football team live. And they're really good. They live really good <laughs> lives. I mean <laughs> I would have been I would have been I mean, I love Ohio State and I loved covering it more than anything in the world. My sons were born there, but I would have been a quarterback of a southern school in a second. I mean, have it, that, that would have been the best life. Like, if you're the it's hard to argue with that, it's really hard to argue that. I was going to try. Buddy, to if you're the stand-up coach. quarterback, if you're the standout quarterback at Georgia, any of them, pick them. Doesn't matter. Yeah. If you're the standout quarterback at an SEC school, uh, you're living a quality of life. And this is from a strictly superficial standpoint, but I'm guessing sure. that's what we're getting at here. Um, from a strictly superficial standpoint, there's not a whole lot better life you can live. Okay, so I can't really argue against that, but let, let me let me tweak this question a little bit. Uh, let's say your natural athletic abilities were enhanced however many times you need to become a D1 okay. athlete. Which sport, based on what you were naturally already inclined to, would you have played? Okay, so I was I was I played both basketball and football in high school. Okay, I mean probably basketball. So I would have probably said. Uh, at that point, then I would have probably played. Uh, I would have played point guard for North Carolina for the yeah. exact same reason that I would have played quarterback in the South. <laughs> so for you as a swimmer, my guess is you'd be Katie Ledecky. I would be fine with that if I could be Katie Ledecky. Stanford, I right? would. She's half fish. I would love to do that. Um, <laughs> Katie Ledecky, Michael Phelps. I don't care. That would have been incredible. I, you know, 
I was actually offered. I don't know if it, an offer is the right word because I don't think this school had offers. But I was sent a letter of interest yeah. from a school for water polo, and like I'm slow as hell. Like I, I was not a great swimmer by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm big and I have long yeah. arms. And I can tread water pretty much indefinitely. And so I got this, you know, go check out our water polo program. I was like, oh, okay. And then I threw that in the trash. Uh, Where was but... it? Say again? What was the school? I can't remember. It was like some school in like southwestern Ohio, western Pennsylvania. I don't know. I can't. I honestly. God, it would have been amazing. I had a couple times and I'd already been accepted into Ohio State. So I was like, well, screw this. I'm just gonna... <laughs> Can you imagine if you would have played like water polo at Pepperdine? Oh, God. It's, like, it's a brutal Have you seen Pepperdine's sport? campus so in Malibu? Yeah, I mean, it would have been cool, but the sport itself is is awful. Like, it's it's just hell. Yeah. Like, it's it's yeah. synchronized drowning is what water. You would have done well there, though. I mean, that's the that's one of the most beautiful campuses in the world. Yeah, I would have enjoyed that. I, I you would have enjoyed that. Yeah. So yeah. I think that would have been one. one of my natural abilities had I. <laughs> that, but maybe not the best outcome for me. Um, okay, so here we go. We got another one here. This is from uh, James or Jimmy A, as he likes to go by. Uh, bless him. So we kind of talked about this. He says, uh, what steps would we take if we were Gene Smith uh, to put the basketball program, or excuse me, the baseball program, specifically baseball, uh, on the map? So we're talking about, like, you know, what you can do to make some of these these programs more nationally relevant. We talked a little bit, I think, mm-hmm. last time or the time before that about uh, wrestling and, you know, how some yeah. of these niche sports. What would you do for baseball? I mean, how could you make so baseball... You know, yeah, this is a passion play for me because um, I was lucky enough in six years in Tallahassee to cover Florida State baseball, and yeah. that is really cool because yeah. they have a – it's about a nine, ten thousand 10,000-seat stadium that they mm-hmm. fill up when they play Georgia Tech and when they play Clemson, when they play Miami, when they play Florida. And every year they go into the tournament. Most years they go to Omaha. Um, they haven't won it, oddly enough, but they put a ton of talent through there, and it's an awesome program. And from, a, from an interest standpoint – when, when they have a big series coming in, like when Clemson comes in or Florida or Miami or Georgia Tech, when they come – North Carolina, uh, Andrew Miller, I remember him pitching there. When they come in to Dickhauser Stadium in Tallahassee, the sports talk radio in Tallahassee talks about college baseball for three yeah. hours. I mean, that's <laughs> how big it is. Like we would lead the newscast with it every single night in, in the spring and early summer. It was Florida State baseball. So I missed that tremendously when I moved to Columbus where there was at best a passing interest with baseball. The NCAA has done a lot to help this out by eliminating the Southern schools' abilities to start their seasons in January, which is what they used to do. Uh, they would start, Florida State used to start in January and start playing games. They'd, be, they'd play 25 games before some of the Northern teams had played any. Um, yeah. But there is a tremendous... Uh, advantage just by the fact that in the South you can play baseball year-round. But there's really good baseball in the state of Ohio. Evan White's a, a Columbus kid who's a hell of a baseball player for Kentucky, um, and you got to try to find a way to keep those. It seems to me from the outside that Ohio State has done about all that can be done to make baseball important. Uh, it seems like they've got a good facility. Nick Swisher threw a lot of money into it. Uh, yep. Facility's nice. Um, I, I just think you're you're kind of limited with what you can do just because of the climate. Yeah, I, I, I think that's pretty much it. And I, I, one of the things that we were discussing a little bit on uh, Slack was, you know, Gene Smith, it's an unpopular opinion because I think some people don't like Gene Smith, but the some dude people. is trying. He's working his butt off to some make people. all these programs nationally relevant. And yeah. I agree with you. I mean, bringing in Nick Swisher, you know, 
having him contribute to the field and, and all this other stuff. I mean, they're doing what they can do. Uh, I agree with you, though. I think the weather just kind of puts a dent in it. I mean, you don't... Yeah. It's pretty much everything above the Mason-Dixon line. You just don't see a lot of really quality baseball programs. And, and Oh, it's so hard. Now, yeah. Ohio State has... Nebraska's had the... You know, historically, Nebraska's had a really good program. Yeah, Nebraska's pretty good. Uh, you know, but it's just... You can't... Now, I do think Ohio State... There's no reason Ohio State isn't the best team in the Big Ten every year. Sure. There's, there's no reason they're not that. Um but if you you compare, you remember what I said about the the quarterback in the South. You played shortstop for Florida State baseball. You lived a pretty damn good life. I mean, yeah. that's that that was a pretty good gig, and and th- th- those kids were like rock stars. How can you compare? You imagine recruiting if you're recruiting like this this Evan White kid who's down at Kentucky, and you you take him to to Bill Davis for a game, and then he goes down to Kentucky on his visit, and he sees what happens when South Carolina comes to town. How can you compete with that? I mean, it's. It's just not the same. I, I, I think there's, I think there's just a much harder ceiling on baseball than there are the other sports. Yeah, agree. And by the way, have you you ever seen the this movie called Everybody Wants Some? No, I have not. So it's a Linklater movie, and it's about a baseball team. Yeah, it's great. It's about a baseball team in I think uh, like East Texas or something like that. Of course. Uh, and it's it's great. It's, it's oh, I will check that out. Yeah. You, I think that would be right up your alley. I will. Uh, all right, so we got, a, we got a couple more here. We got a couple comments. First of all, this is from Shaddy. He uh, wants to ask, you know, how about some love for the men's volleyball team? They're making history pretty much every game that they play. Uh, we right talked now. about that last week, right? Yeah, we we addressed them a little bit, and, yeah. and honestly, like that's one of those things where you just love to see a team succeed and, and be awesome. So, I think yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, and the last one. This is just kind of. Uh, are good for an air and kind of clearing some stuff up. He asked a question a little bit ago about uh, JT Barrett, and mm-hmm. uh, he kind of wanted to clarify what he was he was saying here. And I guess he was just kind of saying, like, um, you know, if, like, nothing had changed in terms of the offensive coaching staff, mm-hmm. would JT have maybe changed his mind about, you know, sticking around or not transferring or things like that? Or do you think a change was necessary to make JT kind of want to stick with the program? I would say that um, there was nowhere for JT to go. Yeah. Not even, I mean, not even Texas. Not, or... Well, I don't think he was going to transfer. I mean, he's a, he's a two-time captain. Right. You know? I mean, he's, he, whatever the hell happens in his senior year, he's going to be a three-time captain at Ohio State. Um, he's going to be – he has won a Big Ten. He's undefeated against Michigan. If JT Barrett doesn't play a down in the National Football League, JT Barrett can walk into any pharmaceutical company that bases itself out of Columbus, Ohio, or has <laughs> branch there, and make two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year in his sleep. Right. So right. Th- this is beyond. I mean, he goes to Texas and it falls on his face. Now what? Now he, he doesn't have the equity. I mean, JT Barrett has equity in Columbus and in Ohio State. I mean, he's not that. That would be this. That would be. I understand what Aaron's coming from, and I do remember his original question. I was probably hard on it, but. Um, I do remember it, and I would say that this is a you got to see the whole picture on something like this, and and there's he has way too much at stake at Ohio State. Uh, he was never going anywhere, coaching change or not. JT Barrett wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, the cost benefit I think on that was just not it, it didn't align up. I mean, you've got to have a situation where you know you're gonna you know have the chance to be successful immediately, and you have to have a pretty not great situation where you're right now. I mean, JT Barrett's got everything lined up for him. Uh, I, I mean, he has, his, his job is in no jeopardy. So yeah, I can't imagine him wanting to bounce. No, I mean, no. Aaron was kind of talking a little bit about like the ennui 
as he saw it, you know, on offense. And I can, I, I can understand that. I mean, especially, you know, when there's kind of a frustrating couple of years of offense uh, in the football team, yeah. but still, I mean, you got to ride that out as a player. You, it, I think a lot of times as fans, we want to project, you know, our desire for an immediate change or immediate improvement onto the players and onto the staff, but it doesn't really always work like that. And I'm sure JT being in the program, as long as he has, kind of sees that long view of it. And I think he understands that it's a, you know, it's a process. So I, I'm not surprised he's back. And, you know, I think he obviously made the right decision in doing that. Yeah. I, I there was nothing that was going to drive him from Columbus, Ohio. No, nah. nothing. I mean, even a coaching change at the top, even urban leaving, he's not, he's got too much in it. I mean, a three, how many three time James Laurinaitis was a three time captain. Yeah. He's the most recent one. I, I remember, um, but there aren't many no. who are three time captains. I mean, that's a very short list. So he's going to be one of those guys on it, and he's going to own the whole record book. It'll be his record book. You yeah. know, I mean, offensively, right. he'll have everything. Barring injury, he will have everything. So, no, he'll, he'll, he will leave Ohio State. People, he'll be one of those guys that you don't probably appreciate fully until he's long gone. And then you'll look back and go, wow, what a, that was a career. Now, he'll never be Braxton because Braxton, you know, unless he wins a national championship, but, He'll never be what Bra- for me at least. He'll never be what Braxton was because Braxton was electric. I mean, you didn't know with his arm, with his leg, and JT Barrett's a better quarterback. But Braxton Miller was the most. Braxton Miller to me will go down as one of the most exciting football players in the history of the program, and I say that with a pretty decent understanding of the gravity of the statement. Yeah, but that's what he was. I no, mean, you I don't did think not exaggeration. I mean, as you didn't an individual know. player, like you can't beat the stuff that he was doing on a regular basis. No. And it's not that he, it's not that he won a bunch of championships. They didn't, he didn't want to Heisman. That's not the point. I mean, that was a guy who you look at on a game to game basis and go, what insane, crazy thing is he going to yeah. do? There was about a, and, and as much as I love Ted Ginn, right? Like I was a student when Ted Ginn was, you know, sure. at, at Ohio yeah. State. There was about a six game stretch where you're like, what is this dude going to do? And it was awesome. Yeah. It gave you goosebumps yeah. every single time you touched the ball. Braxton Miller was like that. Every game that he played at Ohio State, like I don't know yeah. that you can really compare that to almost anybody within the past, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years. Like it's ridiculous. Like he was just unbelievably fun to watch play. And it's sad that, you know, he didn't, you know, he couldn't play quarterback anymore because I think that's really where he shined in doing those kind of things. But um, yeah, man, it, for when he was on, for those years that he was, he was the dude. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a player like that. I mean, that was like Michael Vick. It was, yeah, that's exactly that's a great analogy. That's exactly what it was like. It's the, set, the yeah. last half of his freshman year, true freshman year, through his sophomore and junior year when he was the Big Ten Player of the Year both years, there was no more electric player in college football. No, I mean, he yeah. was. He did. You did not know where the touchdowns were going to come from. I mean, it was the only thing that hurt him was just injuries, and that ended up being the undoing. But uh, he was spectacular, and yeah. the highlight reel of him, people, kids will say. I mean, he will have that's interesting you brought up Vic because he will have that effect. Kids will, there will be times you tell your kid about Braxton Miller and they'll, I don't remember him. What this guy who played, you know, a little bit in the NFL as a receiver? Well, wait a second. And you pull up YouTube <laughs> and you type in Braxton Miller, Ohio State, and say, watch. Yeah. This is who he is. And there's not many guys that have that, but Braxton Miller has it. Yeah. That should was- be a podcast, the Braxton Miller Appreciation Podcast. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that this summer. Uh, I'm just going to make a big playlist on YouTube and just put that on. Yeah, don't even have that'd to be good. <laughs> Perfect. People won't be able to even see it. They'll just hear the highlights. So just hear Paul Key. Yeah. He loses his mind. Um, yeah, that'd be good. 
Uh, all right, so that's uh, that's Ask Us Anything for this week. So keep sending those questions, and that was great. That was. Uh, all right, please uh, subscribe wherever you uh, grab your podcast. Do us a favor and subscribe. If you're on iTunes, give us a rating. We'd appreciate that a great deal. Yep. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week for more fun and frivolity. Yeah, absolutely. See you then.